in our hearts the love of your name and increase in us true religion. True religion. It seems maybe a good time to consider what exactly that means, true religion. Most of this collect, or prayer, comes from King Henry VIII's Archbishop of Canterbury, Thomas Cranmer, who wrote this prayer for the seventh Sunday after Trinity Sunday in the first book of Common Prayer, 1549. And the collect continues, nourish us with all goodness. And then the authors of the 1979 prayer book added this, and bring forth in us the fruit of good works. These are, it seems to me, clear references to all of the lessons that we hear today. What exactly is true religion? What is religion? What was it in Jesus' day, in Cranmer's day? What about today, in a time where most are referring to this as a post-Christian era? What is true religion? The traditions and habits of this faith community and the faith communities with which I'm most familiar, they have changed, and they are changing, and they will continue to change. Truth be told, worship, fellowship, and service traditions have been changing for a long time. What is true religion? I'm expecting to come to an answer ultimately at the end of the sermon that sounds something like this. This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? Amen. <laughs> so this week we return to the Markan narrative. We're back in the gospel according to Mark and we hear the dialogue between the Pharisees and Jesus. Why do your disciples not live according to the traditions? Why do they eat with defiled hands? Why don't they wash their hands? That was a good question then and now. <laughs> Mark's Jesus, however, tells us that whatever the Pharisees think they're doing, they are wrong. And then Jesus prepares to give a very brief address on what it means to be followers followers of God. And for me, this conversation begs the question, what is true religion? And then James, in the letter, he names the very heart of all of the lessons for today. If any think they are religious, and then he goes on. The author of the epistle generally named James as the brother of Jesus puts flesh on the bones of what pure and undefiled religion is in the eyes of God. And the verses that we hear today include the very point for which the letter is best known. Be doers of the word and not merely hearers. The psalmist carries a similar message from a slightly different angle. David meditates over what the character of humanity must be to come before the tabernacle of God. 
Who may dwell in the holy hill? Who may abide in the temple? Who's allowed to come to church? David has in his mind and on his heart what it looks like to live a life in the presence of God. What it looks like to walk in close fellowship with God. Again, what is true religion? And finally, in the reading from the Hebrew Covenant, we listen to the words of Moses from the book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Pentateuch, the Torah, and this is his farewell address. And Moses delivers a speech that is intended to remind the people of Israel of their covenant, their relationship with God, of what it means to be religious people. And Moses encourages this group of people who are preparing to enter the promised land to take advantage of these new opportunities that God is giving them. A new chance to become worthy of that ideal community and to actively participate in sustaining that ideal community. True religion. This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? So then what is true religion? If we look at the etymology, the history of the word, we see the threads in the fabric as they weave their way together through our lessons. Religion in Hebrew is most closely connected to the concepts of listening and repeating especially as it pertains to the law. So this makes sense as we try to understand the Israelites who've been in exile. Moses isn't giving them a new covenant, a new commandment. He's reminding them again of their belovedness and of the covenant which God has made with them. And in Latin, whether the religion word is based on religare, which is to bind, or religio, which is obligation and reverence, we have historical context for both. The words of the great and way too long hymn, St. Patrick's Breastplate. Those name the concept of religare. I bind this day to me forever the power of faith. Christ incarnation, which we often hear at ordinations. And religio, that word is demonstrated in the vows and the obligation and personal piety which the members of religious communities make. It is the ancient heritage of our peoples juxtaposed to the liturgical and theological interpretations of our day. Most commentators suggest that we know the word religion today from religio, but it's very different than what Moses and David and Mark and James were speaking of. The language and its interpretation comes way after Cranmer's prayer book, so clearly way after these writers of our family album as well. Naming oneself as religious today, it is fraught. Stating, I am religious, in a faith community, 
usually takes on a different tone. Of course you're religious. You're a Christian. You're in church. I know, though, there are some of you out there, when I say, I am religious, you go, oh, God, not another Christian saying they're religious. And I also guarantee you, if I went over to Fair Trade Coffee Shop and said, I am religious, I don't do that often. I get a lot of responses. I can tell you from my experience, when I say I'm religious, and I usually do when I wear a collar, it brings up a different idea in secular settings. I can get an eye roll, a sigh, a deep sigh, and sometimes very emotional responses, responses of anger and deep, deep sadness. Because some folks have a very clear picture of what it is to be religious. It is subjective, it is of personal experience, and we do well to listen to it because it is important. For some, it's a memory of a mouthful of soap for talking during the sermon. I'll be in the lobby after the sermon. Poison spewed from the pulpit about who will everyone, at some point, very soon, go to hell. Religion has been used as a weapon of choice for those who would bludgeon the most vulnerable of God's created to death with the exclusionary, judgmental, and sanctimonious ideology of the day. It's dangerous. Wilfred Cantwell Smith, a 20th century Presbyterian minister, writes this, The contemporary concept of religion is a relatively recent invention in European history. Christian writers began using the word religion to signify a system of ideas or beliefs about God, that religion is something that one believes or does not believe, something whose propositions are true or are not true. If the road to this reads to you, religion is a concept that allows us to decide who is in and who is out, who is us and who is them, which categorizes the good and the bad people, the right and the wrong. I think there's some accuracy to that. With today's definition, Increase our true religion? No, thank you. I don't need any more us-them language. You don't need it either. None of us needs more of that. We have it too much in our lives right now. And if you want to take the time after the service to research the difference between religion and spirituality or look up the question, what is religion? There's 401 million citations on the Internet. I ask that you don't. I don't feel that's a good use of your time. I don't feel like that's where best we figure out how to be God's people and God's people in community. The institution of church generally long ago gave up the expectations that people would come to them to find out about God. I don't think we ever expected the internet and 401 million answers. So what is true religion? 
True religion is in our hearts. It is in our minds and it is in our spirit. It is in the very identity as God creates us. True religion is not first about believing. True religion is first about belonging. Belonging in how we behave toward one another in the light of our understanding of the love which the divine has for us. True religion is being in awe of the humanity that God has created and serving God's beloved with that same wonderment and respect and reverence for the good that we seek in them and that we see in them, in every single person with whom we are connected, because that's everyone. We can pretend we're not connected to everyone. We are, each of us, inextricably, forever. And that's my sign. Wrap it up. True religion is active devotion to Jesus as the Christ, as the rabbi, as the Messiah and the lover and the friend because we recognize that all we are, all of our love, our joy, our peace, our patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all the fruits, they radiate from the love that is God. True religion is keeping God's commandments. It's speaking the truth from the heart, not with guile, not with a wicked tongue, not with doing evil to our friends, not heaping contempt upon our neighbors. True religion is generous giving. It's being quick to listen, slow to anger, slow to speak, ridding ourselves of wickedness, and being doers of the word and not merely hearers. True religion is me honoring you and you honoring me, us worshiping God, not human teachings. If we're going to pray for God to increase us in true religion, a broader and deeper vision of who we are and whose we are, then we have to encourage one another to do the hard work of being in community. It's hard work. I know deciding to come and be in community right now is hard work, but it's important work. It's imperative for us to struggle together, to seek love together. It's a hard teaching, and it's not a popular teaching. It doesn't play well in a world that enjoys divisiveness and exclusion. Lord of all power and might, the author and giver of all good things, graft in our hearts the love of your name. Increase in us true religion. Nourish us with all goodness and bring forth in us the fruit of good works. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.